theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. We're also excited uh, that at the conclusion of our Made for More, we're going to have Hector Robles with us, an amazing man of God who's going to come and deliver what thus saith the Lord. Praise God. And we're going to work through that. So, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus. Wow. Write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Mm. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Look at verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many have an ear? How many have two? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lay hands on your ears. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If you have an ear, you have a responsibility to steward the word of the Lord that God is releasing through his word today. He or she that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to this local expression of the kingdom. Praise God. Look at this. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon. True love's reward. True love's reward. If you would just lift your hands and help me pray. Pray with me. Jesus, help me to teach. Help us to receive your word today. Kiss earth with heaven. Today I pray that your power and your spirit will move in this place. I thank you that the word of God brings correction I thank you that it brings adjustment and encouragement. I thank you that it washes us and it moves us, it removes, it lifts, it enlightens. Thy word is a lamp to these feet and a light to my path, God. Help us today to hear the truth in a day of deception and lies. Thank you for the accuracy, the veracity, the authenticity of the word of God. Heaven will pass away, the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of God will abide forever. We're thankful for your word today. Anoint me to preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy and with an anointing, Lord, that inspires us to draw closer to you. I release the gift of faith in this place. Have your way. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands until the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I believe wholeheartedly. Praise God. And Marcella, you just let me know if I need to swap. You let me know. I know we're working on it. I believe that the Lord is calling us to be a prepared people. Thank you, Pastor Barry. Praise God. I, I, I started this the first Wednesday of the new year. I started a brand new series called Grow Up, and I want to encourage everybody. This is the first time I've ever done so that I want to encourage people to go back. If you have somehow missed that, go back and watch that. And those two lessons that we've done thus far, it's going to challenge you. And more importantly, I believe it will equip you as well. But I believe the Lord is calling us to a place of right priority at the beginning of the year. This text in Revelation 2, uh, I believe, is a really critical passage as it regards priority because if we're going to know anything about God, we understand that he is a jealous God. We preach him sometimes as him just accepting our leftovers, but you would be duped, I would be duped if we somehow go away leaving that right now we can give God our leftovers and he's pleased. He's a jealous God and he doesn't want us because he's selfish. No, he wants us because he knows true love and he doesn't want us to have inferior idols in our hearts as the object of our love. And if you love God more than you love anything else, life will be better than any other way you could live it. I'm going to say that one more time because I thought I'd get a few more responses or amens. But if you love God more than you love anything or anyone else, life will be better than any other way you could possibly live it. And if you don't love him... That way, my prayer is that over the next several weeks in the midweek Bible connection and what God lays on my heart, that uh, he will prepare us. And I believe he, he's preparing us in all of our lives because Jesus Christ is the groom. And we don't preach this often, but he's coming back. We are his bride, and there will be a uniting of the bride and groom. And my question for us is, how many of us are ready to meet him? How many of us are ready to meet him in the sky? I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know why we don't preach it more, but it is our blessed hope. It is what we look forward to. This earth is not my home. I am living to live again, and there is coming a day where the dead in Christ shall rise, that trumpet shall sound, and he will call us up out of this world. Praise God. What I'm about to preach to you today has been confirmed throughout the week on many instances, even as recent as yesterday. And I want to talk to our EC fam about returning to our first love. The Bible doesn't say they lost their first love. It says they left their first love. And I want to tell you today, if you left it, I've got good news. You can locate it again. Praise God. And you can get it back. And if you're going to be the bride, I want you to know that he doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our first love. Praise God. I'm excited about what God is doing because at the last Sunday of 2023, the place was packed 
uh, standing room only each Sunday. Our attendance trends continue to grow in the right direction. I celebrate what God is doing. We're on the precipice and there's more details coming. Our leadership team, some of us, our pastoral staff, will be meeting at our second campus this week, checking out a few things and getting ready. There'll be a whole lot more details coming in that regard. God is moving every Sunday that we've gathered together. His spirit is here. Expectation is here. New people are here. I celebrate. Do you realize in 2023, we had almost 600 first-time guests? And that's just those, come on, we ought to give God praise for that. That's just those that completed a connection card. There are some that don't even complete a connection card. Why? Because the call of God has gone out. It's not my call. It's not your call. It's his call. And it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The place has been full. The altars have been full. And I... I've been doing pastoral ministry for about 24 years in a variety of capacities, but I understand that it seems like in January in particular, there is a door of opportunity that people feel is an opening for a fresh start. How many are thankful for a fresh start? A new beginning, praise God. And there's something powerful about a new beginning at the start of the year. And the reality of it is, sometimes when we come to a new year, there's this surge of priority. There's this surge of importance on the things of God. And people want to get the new year started right on, on the right foot. We want to get started on the right trajectory. And we find ourselves wanting to reset. And we find ourselves wanting to put some priorities in order. And this is why Made for More is so important. Because we're literally setting aside a tithe. A little bit more than a tithe, if you will. Unto the Lord saying, hey, you are our priority. If you look, if you're like anything like me, sometimes I love a, a fresh start, a reset, a, a refocus. And there's so many places that would serve as a distraction for us. Where do we start? I don't know about you, but sometimes the problems seem like a plethora of problems. Do I focus on praying on this situation or do I focus on praying for that situation? And some of you today are burdened with your finances. Some of you are burdened about your family. Some of you are overwhelmed with your finances and your family. Some of you are burdened about the situation on the job or at school or the situation in friendships or a relationship. And sometimes we want to start afresh and anew and we want to have the right priorities. But when we look at what's going on, we say, God, this is wrong and that needs some attention and this needs some attention. Where do I focus to get my reset? I'm almost distracted or overwhelmed. It's almost like paralysis by analysis. How do I fix this and how do I fix that? I don't know what to focus on. I don't know what to pursue. And the Lord said, no, if you will get the priority of my kingdom right, allow me to communicate it like this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto your life. I think sometimes we want folks to fix things and to start fixing things without fixing their relationship with God. Think about that. And you can fix relationships with people. You can fix your finances. And you can focus your attention on the problems that you've been presented with. But if you don't get Jesus in line, if you don't get Jesus, if you don't seek ye first the kingdom, you, your, your finances might be fine for a couple of months. Your relationships may be fine for a couple of months. But you will find yourself all in that same mess again. 
Because at the end of the day, the main thing is what touches every other thing in our life. So, I wish, I wish I had somebody helping me. Thank you, Pastor Barry. What is it about Jesus? What is the most important thing to you? What is the church about for you? What is spiritual, your spiritual journey? What sums up your spiritual journey and the emphasis of your spiritual journey? Praise God. I just want to say the second January of New Year, if, if we're not careful, Christianity as a whole and churches, I'm not speaking about any particular church and I'm not talking about extraordinary church, but I am somewhat disturbed, if you will, because there are churches out there that are not about the kingdom of God. I just got a newsflash for you. It is not about what kind of music you sing. It's not about what you do or don't. You can wear a three-piece suit to church. You can wear business attire. You can wear casual attire. You can wear smart attire. I just want you to wear something. Praise God. You can wear high heels. You can wear jeans. It makes me no difference. But what I do want you to come wearing is some praise. I do want you to come wearing meekness and salvation. I do want you to come wearing holiness. I do want you to come wearing grace and mercy. I do want you to come wearing gratitude. I want you to come in with an I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. But I want you to come in. I don't want people, what's the atmosphere and what's this? No, 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 no. Hear me. It's always been about Jesus. It'll never stop being about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the apple of the eye in the kingdom. He is the reason why we're here. And he's recalibrating the church of the living God. This kingdom is about Jesus Christ. It's not built on a man. It's not built on a personality. It's not built on an idea or a concept. It's built on the one true living God. There's nobody to his right or to his left, and his name is Jesus. And we have a multitude of issues, a myriad of problems, and we're not going to crawl out of that stuff that we're dealing with until we make sure our relationship with Jesus is the primary, premier, paramount priority in our life. We don't need to focus on everything. We just need to focus on him. We don't need to get closer to him and, uh, and, and with, with, with the mindset of, well, bless me and bless me. No, hear, hear me. We have to get to the point where we're not seeking the blessing, but we're seeking the blessor. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for healing. You can. But at some point you can realize, hey, I, I will pray because I want to know him. Praise God, when we get closer to him, everything else will start lining up in our lives. When, when families start getting closer to him, things start lining up in households. When things start lining up in households, neighborhoods start getting closer to him. And when neighborhoods start getting closer to him, things start lining up. And when neighborhoods start getting closer to him, cities start getting closer to him. And when cities start getting closer to him, regions start getting closer to him. And when regions start getting closer to him, provinces start getting closer to him. And when provinces start getting closer to him, nations start getting closer to him. But what am I saying? It all starts with somebody saying, I'm in kingdom alignment. It only takes one person that says, I will seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what matters to me. If you believe that, give him praise. We need to make sure at the beginning of the year 
that our relationship with Christ and our passion for him and his presence and his kingdom are at the core of all that we do. This message this afternoon from Revelation chapter 2 is probably one of the most elementary yet necessary reminders for extraordinary church. Look at the church of Ephesus. This is the first church right here in Ephesus. Jesus speaks to seven churches in the Asia province before, before he speaks to Smyrna, before he speaks to Pergamos or Sardis or Thyatira or Philadelphia, before he speaks to the rest of them, he's speaking to Ephesus. Why? Because Ephesus is the center of everything happening in the kingdom in the Asia province. Ephesus is a church that was born out of an apostolic missionary journey from an apostle named Paul and an apostolic team that went with him and supported him, went to the city. It was the hub of all culture in the Asia province. Imagine, if you will, a bustling ancient city, a crossroads of culture and ideas where the old world meets the new. That was Ephesus in biblical times. The city wasn't just any town, hear me, it was like the New York City of the ancient world. Located in what is now known as modern-day Turkey, Ephesus was a major port city teeming with life and commerce. The streets of Ephesus were a symphony of diverse languages, and the air was filled with the aroma of exotic spices and sea breezes. People from all corners of the Roman Empire gathered here, bringing unique customs and, and beliefs. This is a melting pot of culture, EC, made at Ephesus. It's a vibrant, dynamic city. And one of the most stunning sights in Ephesus was the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It wasn't just big. It wasn't just extraordinary. It was colossal. And it drew visitors from afar and wide. However, amidst all the splendor, Many in Ephesus were searching for more. Something that money, something that temples could not provide. Ephesus, it's documented, had opened its heart to all sorts of sexual deviances. And before you think I'm making more out of just sexual sin than any other kind of sin, if you read the book of Romans, the first chapter, you'll look at the degradation of society and the downward spiral of humanity. And before it gets through, before it's over, you'll read at the end of its manifestation, it is the destruction of the image of God in a generation, and namely, as it regards sexuality and its sexual identity. You have all of this happening in Ephesus. And enter the Apostle Paul. He spent years in Ephesus sharing the message of Jesus Christ. His time there was like planting seeds in supernatural soil. <laughs> the Christian community in Ephesus grew like a beacon of hope and faith in a city of constant change. Sounds like Toronto. So when we think of Ephesus, let's picture a place where faith was tested where cultures clashed and mingled and where the early church, the early Christian church, found its footing in a fast-moving world. It's a reminder, hear me, that faith can thrive in the busiest and most diverse places. Praise God. Some people may get upset when I, I, I you know, we got, we got to be careful because I, I, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I do want to say that the world is looking for answers. And the world is looking for a church that has the answer. And we're not the only one that has the answer, but I do know Jesus Christ is alive and well. 
and they're not looking for a church that is watering down the gospel. They're looking for a church that is Bible-believing and Bible-behaving, and that's what you find here at Extraordinary Church. You'll find a group of imperfect people who are willing to pursue Jesus Christ and come into alignment with the Word of God because the Word of God is the preeminent, paramount priority and authority in our life. If it's in the book, it settles it. I'm not interested in anybody's false interpretation. I let scripture interpret scripture. But if it's in the book, it settles it. And they're looking for a group of people who don't walk like the world and who don't talk like the world and who don't sound like the world, but that have got something down on the inside that they can't quite get their mind around, a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that's full of glory and unspeakable, a smile that can't be wiped off their face because they lost their job, and a people that come together in spite of political differences and ethnicities. Why? Because we're the kingdom. They're looking for something real and authentic. They're not looking for religion. They're not looking for religion. Religion is suffocating. Religion is a long, 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 long list of rules. Hear me and understand my heart. We're living in a day, and let me, I'm just going to say it. You know, one of the things as pastor, when we talk about, uh, we believe we're the perfect church or, or the perfect church for imperfect people. You know what we're saying? We're here for all the smoke. We're here for all the smoke. And here's, what, here's, where, we make a, here's where we make a mistake. The church, the church, don't you know the church will be silent on certain issues? But we live in a day and age where the world and the enemy aren't silent about anything. We cannot effectively go in and snatch people out of hell if we are unwilling to talk about sexual, sexual identity. We have to be willing to talk about these things. We have to be willing to let people know there's a God full of grace and mercy that will love you. Let me tell you what will happen. If we don't talk about it, we'll talk about the few things that we think are acceptable to talk about, right? And people want to know, not just know for information purposes, but are looking for an answer, looking for the truth. And if we don't speak the truth, we'll give you a little slice of this and we'll give you a little slice of that, and the world will fill in the rest of the dots for your kids. This is why it's important for us to declare the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, end of discussion. And if you're getting twisted, Anything that I'm saying, I got news for you. Everybody and their mama is welcome here at Extraordinary Church. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Makes me no difference if you're homosexual, heterosexual, transsexual, bisexual. There is room for you here in the kingdom. And I've got news for you. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen transsexuals receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You've come too late to tell me it's not for everybody. We serve a God who is here for the black, the white, the red, the yellow, the educated, and the uneducated. He's here for us all. Everybody is welcome here. We either believe this gospel or we don't. This isn't a selective gospel. This is for everybody. And you know what Paul does? You know what he does, Pastor Mary? He plants a church. Really? In 
the midst of all that at hell's doorstep. Why? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail. This gospel works for everybody. And you've come too late to tell me otherwise. And this is why I'm very interested. Let me just help you right now. If you want to live your cute little sterilized life, I don't know what scripture you're reading. I, 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 I'm blown away. I'm, I'm blown away. Like, if this is how I know. Like, <laughs> we had a lot of early conversations with our kids. Because they were like, I, I just read in the Bible. And we were like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about that. About that. You, 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 you just wanted to read all of the Bible, didn't you? Praise God. So we, yeah. Sarah and I were like, yeah, let's, let's, let's. If you read, if, if this played out, cinematically speaking, on the screen right now, it would be X-rated. Why in the world are we trying to sterilize it down to G? The God of all creation and glory is trying to tell you, he knows we're a mess, and he's trying to tell you, I'm not put off by your mess. I've come to rescue you from your mess. I've come to rescue you out of your idolatry. I've come to rescue you out of your addiction. I've come to rescue you out of your destructive habits. I've come to help you. Yet we somehow give people a sterilized version. And we even get, you know, you might be like, no, I don't give them that. Look at the life you live. You acting like you ain't never, you act like you don't even fart. Praise God. I'm like, what are we doing? And it don't stink. It does, that's a lie. We stinking up the, praise God. Can we just keep it real for a minute? We're not here to fake nobody out. I'm not here to impress anybody. I was a mess. I was a wretch lost in my sin. God, who is rich in his mercy and in his grace, picked me up out of my dysfunction, turned my life around. He picked me up. And I'm grateful. And Saul is right in the middle of all of that. Either this gospel works or it doesn't. And this gospel works. It works. And people who are living in sin can hear, come out of darkness. See, I'm not here to preach to the influential. The kingdom of God is the influential kingdom. I don't care whether you're a millionaire or welfare. If you broke, busted, and disgusted spiritually, you don't need a social club. You need a place of God where the word of God and the people of God and the power of God can move. And so Saul, uh, oh, Paul, excuse me, goes right there. And this text I read you, uh, I, I know all our first-time guests, I'm not usually this intense. Y'all probably like, oh, my, oh, God. So, yeah, I, 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 just, maybe, I, just a little bit less sometimes, praise God. But, uh, but this is 30 years after this church was planted. Jesus comes knocking on the door. And here's what he says to this 30-year-old church. Three decades. I know your works. You're in the middle of the hub of humanity, the core of culture, Ephesus. It's the city of cities. 
like Toronto. It's, uh, Paul plants a church there, and after 30 years, after he plants it, Jesus comes knocking on the door. He says, I have a message for you. The first thing he says, look at verse 2, Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Listen to what he says. He says, I know your works. Now, for some of you, yeah, some of you are like, ooh, and others like, That can be the most frightening thing and the most encouraging thing. Some of us like, and others ready to run and shout. I know your works. It's frightening because I know your works. And Jesus is talking, saying, hey, I ain't heard it secondhand. I know. Nobody brought me a report. I didn't get this via UPS. I feel like I'm old when I say that. Text message or DM, I don't know. Does that sound better? Praise God. I walk in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks, and I know what you're up to. I know your works. And this is frightening and encouraging. It's also encouraging for those who feel overlooked, tired. He knows your works as well. He said, I know your works. I, I know that you have. I'm, I'm not just talking about what, what even you just walk through this here. He says, I know your labor. Look at it, look at it right there. He said, I know your patience. This is, this is crazy. And then he says that you cannot bear those who are evil. Put Revelation 2, 2 on the screen, media team. Look, I, I want you to check this out because I'm scared for some people who think it's spiritually fashionable to become tolerable. Listen, I'm not here to offend anybody. But this book will offend some people. This book offends me. I'm like, y'all just, I know, I know. Y'all came out the womb speaking in tongues and y'all ain't never, y'all just came out crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Looking at your mom preaching, I know, I know, I know, I know. You had the book memorized, praise God. Praise God. You don't have a nasty thought. Your breath don't stink. I mean, everything just perfect. Praise God. I'm, I'm happy. But there's some things in this book that don't sit well with me. I know it's going to offend some people. That's not my intention. But can I tell you, we will preach the truth of the word of God. We'll preach it with tears and in love. But it is the word of God. It does not change. And he says... You do not bear those who are evil. Mm, think about this. You know why people don't want to be called out? Because nobody wants their deeds to be exposed. We all want to hide in darkness. And when you preach the truth, there's a certain population that are going to get mad. I don't care how fashionable it becomes. I don't even care who it puts me in good graces with or it pulls me out of good graces with. I understand full well that my life living with Jesus is going to bring me into favor with some people and that'll take me out of favor with some people. But I'm not, I don't care where it puts me on the political spectrum. As a matter of fact, I'm not here to preach politics. You can belong in the kingdom, whether you're conservative, liberal, it makes me no difference. I'm here to preach the kingdom. 
And I refuse to let people get caught up in the religious right or the liberal left. I'm not a party to any of that stuff. I belong to the kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. And listen to what he says. It's just crazy. Because if you look, verse 2, chapter 2. Thank you for keeping it up there. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Let me just help you understand something. Not everybody in the church is an apostle. And that's okay. Not everybody in the church is an evangelist. And that's okay. Not everybody in the church is a pastor. And that's okay. Not everybody in the church is a prophet. And that's okay. I'm going through the fivefold ministry. <laughs> Not everybody in the church is a teacher. And that's okay. Everybody in the church should be a servant. Right. Listen, I know we live in a... This is the old school. I told, I told some of our team today, I said they might get a little Doug White today. Doug White's my pastor. But listen, uh, I know we live in a microwavable society. You know, I get that. But if, you, you know, y'all know I love collard greens. I love southern cooking. I love collard greens so much. I just saw something where somebody, you know. Now, if the food is good, let me just give you a disclaimer. <laughs> you see, I, you say you talk, see what I'm just talking about, good food? Praise God. You start leaning. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, if the food is good, I'll show. I need to be around people who know when the food is. If, if I serve you good food and you're like, oh, it's good. <laughs> you, 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 mm -mm, mm -mm. But if the, when the food is good, I need you to get up out your. Wow. <laughs> when the food is good, I need you. I need to know the food is good, Ed. Maybe that's just me. That's how we were raised at my house. If the food is good, and I can serve you some collard greens out the, uh, out the can, right, and put them in the microwave, and they call them glory greens. And, I mean, if in a pinch, maybe. It's false advertising. That's what Sarah said. It's false. Ain't no glory in that. Might be some greens, but ain't no glory. Praise God. And we get, ex we, we, we get excited. Yeah. You know, that's a substitute. Yeah. You, you, you got to go to the store and get the greens, and you got to, uh, you just can't go to any store. You need, I found out you got to go to Starsky's to get those greens. <laughs> I said, what the, I said, what these Polish folks know about some greens? <laughs> I, 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 was about to call, I, I was about to call Patricia and Ziggy. I said, what? I'm in Starsky's, and these greens looking so plush and I came home and Mia had got some greens that she had cooked for somebody. She got them from somewhere else. I ain't going to call the store out. She came and she looked. She's like, where'd you get these greens? Look like you got them right out of the garden. I said, praise God. I said, I was at Starsky's when they had these greens. You get them and you got to let your greens soak. You know, you, you, you got to warm the water up in the sink and you, praise God, you, you fill up the green, you salt and you, you let them soak for a while. Then you scrub them down and you wash them, then you rinse them, and then when you take them, praise God. Some of y'all are, some of y'all like this right now. You just sitting there. I'm telling you, that's what good food will do to you. Thank you, Jesus. And then you, you got to trim it just right off the stalk, and 
Then, you know, after you do that, you cut it up and you, you, you got to put it in the crock pot or you got to put it in a, in a slow cooker. And all the other ingredients. And you, Mia said, well, you know, I'm in a rush. Dad, can I? I said, I mean, if you got to, if you got to, you, the, the least you can cook them is four hours. But if you're going to do them right, <laughs> them things need to be in there for at least eight hours. We are living in a day and age where people think just because they have shown up to XYZ ministry that in less than a week they can get up and start singing and preaching. Does the Bible not say know them that labor among you? Can we not take our time here for a minute? And how about this? When I, I remember this, heaven forbid, See, this is why, this is, listen, I get it. I'm not, I want everybody to go to seminary. Some of y'all, we got some seminaries right now, and I'm not going to look at anybody. Just looking right at the camera, talking about the greens. But you know what? I remember when the Lord called me to preach. You know what my pastor did? Man, I, I was like, hey, now I didn't know what to expect. I said, well, the Lord's called me to preach. He was like, I know. I know he affirmed the calling. I said, praise God. I said, well, I, I got go to I go to a seminary. He was like, no, no. Uh, uh. He said, you don't got to worry about seminary right now. He, you don't, don't worry about it. He said, you just you stay with me for a little while. I'll teach you what you need to know. I was like, oh, okay. Well, uh, what do I need to do? He was like, oh, well, just come on, meet me. You know, in the closet right here, follow me. In the closet right here, there's a, a bucket. and a mop, yes. you can fill it up with some water. Yes. <laughs> you can mop this whole place, have it looking spick and span. Yes. That's what ministry is. Yes. Ministry is not a pulpit or a microphone. Ministry is a, some of us don't know it, but we need the ministry of the tower. A ministry to serve. We want to be served. No, you're here to serve your brother and your sister. What happened to washing somebody's feet? What happened to encouraging somebody and blessing somebody? Yeah. I know you're called to preach, but are you called to clean the toilet? Yeah. Help me, Holy Ghost. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I better move on. Praise God. We want a title. Give me somebody who wants a towel. So, look, this, Ephesus, not a lazy church. No, 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 no. Not a lazy church at all. They were working. They were patient. They were steadfast. They didn't even tolerate evil or put up with false apostles. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty solid spiritual resume to me. If I heard that resume, I'd be like, oh, we in the money. Okay, like, I'm in. Thank you, Jesus. But he said these words. Nevertheless, I have something against you. They were working, busy and active, but he had something. What is that something, Isabella? That's something that God will not ignore no matter how much you are engaged in. The one thing about God is that he cares too much about us to allow us to be busy without being completely given to him. He said these words, you have left your first love. 
Didn't say you lost it. That's not what the word used here in Revelation 2 means. He used a word that is much more applicable to people like you and me. It's the Greek word that indicates an unknowing, a subtle walking away from unintentionally. It's, I just got busy. Uh, I got distracted. Like the songwriters of the casting crowd say, it's a slow fade. I want you to look at the words, and I don't want to make more of the text than what's there, but I feel like God showed me something I want you to get. He did not say, listen to me carefully. He did not say that you left him. Read it. Love is not capitalized. He was not speaking. Okay, he just said, you, he did not say you left Jesus. He said, you're working, and you love him to a degree. He's, here's what he's saying. He said, you lost. How? You love him. In other words, you lost the quality of love that you had at first. It's, it's not that many in the people in the church don't love Jesus. I'm thinking, well, how many of you love him today? Praise God. That's why we come here on Sunday. We love him. That's why you serve in ministry. That's, you know, that's why you give. You love him. That's why you serve and do whatever you do. It's not that you don't love Jesus. It's not that we don't love Jesus. It's that we have found our place in ourselves that we're not loving him with our first love. They didn't leave Jesus. They left the way they loved him at the beginning. Do you remember... Do you remember how you loved him when you first got saved? I told myself I won't do it. I thought about that Michael song. Do you remember? Do you remember what you did and how you served? Do you remember how you served him before religion jacked everything up? Do you remember what it was like when he first washed away your sins? and you felt the bliss of eternal life. Before anybody crazy ever stood up and made you feel weird about being passionate and excited for Jesus. You remember when we used to have to tap you on the shoulder because we had put away every single chair and the music had been put up and the equipment had been put away and we were turning off lights, but you were still lost in his presence. Do you remember when they would come and tap you on the shoulder and say, we got to get ready to go. We can't be here much longer. There might be another tenant coming in. Do you remember when you would just get up and be glad to be in the kingdom of God? Do you remember when you were oblivious to all the little chit-chat and backbiting and gossiping going on, and you thought it's because you didn't know anybody. No, it's because you had a first love. You had a first love that trumped all that nonsense, trumped all that foolishness. You had no time for it. You didn't allow it to get into your spirit because you were enamored by being in his presence. You were thirsty for more of him. You had a love that radiated in you and brought you closer. To him. Do you remember what it was like before everybody offended you and you were so easily offended? When you really just loved him with all your heart and you were not called into what camp you belong to, whether or not somebody's theologically correct, you weren't a liberal Christian, you weren't a conservative Christian, you were just a Christian that loved Jesus. 
you were just glad you weren't as messed up as you used to be. Do you remember what it was like when you loved him and you knew he loved you? Before people started looking at you and saying, it don't take all that and you ain't got to do all that. To No, 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 no. Then you began to believe that religious lie. Do you remember what it was like when you loved him like that? When you woke up in the middle of the night and you were glad he woke you up in the middle of the night. He was the first thing you thought about. He was the last thing on your mind when you laid your head down at night. He was the first thing on your mind when you woke up. Do you remember what that was like? I, I could preach this right now for a moment. I'm trying to help somebody return to their first love. Does somebody remember what it was like when he called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light? Does somebody remember when your heart would connect to the worship songs and the lyrics were more than just lyrics? They were a cry, a prophetic utterance of deliverance. Do you remember when you used to personalize the music and say, oh, that's my song. Turn it up. Can we play it again? Do you remember when you used to get behind the preaching and you weren't worried about the preaching and you told the preacher, preach it straight and preach it hard. Just preach me the word of God. Do you remember when you stopped looking at everybody else and you were only focused on what God wanted to do in your life? Do you remember? The Holy Ghost is here to challenge us today, extraordinary church. The Holy Ghost is here to challenge your pastor. I remember getting with my pastor when he would preach the word of God. I remember hardly sitting down. I remember being right here. He'll tell you this. I can bring him here right now. I'd be shaking. And why? Because he was giving me the words of life. I wasn't worried about anybody else, what was happening. All I remember is I was in this pit of despair and depression, thinking about suicide, and he called me out. I remember, I remember. Alvin, you remember the first time you saw her. You were at that gas station. Praise God. And here you are, 30 years? 31. You remember, Pastor Barry, when you saw her? I, I, I remember thinking to myself, Sarah, look at her. Only one in front of about six, seven hundred young people worshiping the Lord. I remember, I was like, those pretty brown eyes. Pretty brown eyes. Yeah. Praise God. I won't always say, thank you, Jesus. I'm giving that main condition anyway. Forgive me, Lord. I remember. Do you remember? Do you remember? And here we are, Alex. 30 years plus later. Are her eyes still as pretty? Do you get excited when she touches your hand? Are you glad? to run out the house to go get the groceries? Or is it like, oh, you can bring them in yourself. Hurry, I'm ready to eat. <laughs> I'll be running to get them groceries. <laughs> Praise God, and when I don't, I'm like, Lakin, you better go run and get them groceries. <laughs> I got a little device, I'm like, ooh, mom's two minutes away, hurry up, boy. Yeah. If I'm on the call, I'm like, groceries. No, I tell them, but why, why, why? First love, first love. The Lord is calling us back. 
He's calling us. Does anybody feel that? Does anybody have a desire for that? Is anybody, is anybody frustrated with the status quo? Is anybody frustrated that they've allowed religion to, to sting? Is, there, is anybody frustrated that they've allowed bitterness to take away a, a joy? Is anybody frustrated that they've allowed the criticism and the critique of others to sequester their love? Is anybody tired? Say, no, 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 no. I, I want that. I remember when I couldn't contain it and people would be like, why are you smiling? Wipe the Kool-Aid grin off your face. And you couldn't. Because you had been with him. Whew. Somebody in this place, lift your hands unto him. Come on, if there's a hunger, if there's a thirst, why don't you just begin to let him know that? Come on, you don't need the music. You don't need me to cajole you in anything. But you just need to allow your heart for a moment to just connect to him. Why don't you just begin to reach out to him and cry out to him? This is not an ordinary place. This is a place of extraordinary faith. You can run while I'm preaching. You can kneel while I'm preaching. You can come to the altar while I'm preaching. You can pray while I'm preaching. You can seek the face of God while I'm preaching. But whatever you do, you need to make up in your mind and in your spirit. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'll cry out. People can see tears streaming down my face. They can hear me weeping and wailing. It makes no difference. I've got to know him. I'm coming back to my first love. You don't know the hell I've been through. You don't know the persecution I've been through. And yet his grace is keeping me. I'm here because of his grace. I've got to have him. Come on and cry out to him. Come on and cry out to him. We're a group of people that are passionate for him. We're returning to our first love. This is the true reward of a true love. Come on, don't you let religion bite you. Don't you let bitterness bite you. Don't you let life bite you. It'll take your prayer life. It'll take your joy. It'll take your peace. But somebody return to their first love. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, God is saying, I don't care how busy you are for my kingdom. I want you to be head over heels in love with me again. I want to be the last thing you think about at night. I want to be the first thing you think about when you wake up. I want to be in a love relationship. Come on. You didn't leave them, I know. But you left how you loved them over time. We start loving him like we do other people. I came to you. Some of you are going to reclaim your first love. Despite the stuff that happened, despite the disappointments, despite the backbiting, despite the church hurt, despite the gossip. Come on, this is how churches, how we get into a mess. What I'm telling you is God is calling us to intimacy. Woo, come on, all over this place, let's just begin to worship him. Come on, don't you remember, I'm not calling anybody out there sitting in the back. What I'm talking about is a front row spirit. Don't you remember when you were eager to get in, eager to show up to pray, eager to show up to sit on the front row, eager to hear and sit on the edge of your seat just to get the words of life. Come on, that's it. Come on, I wish there would just be a holy cry that would begin to just rise up from the hearts of desperate people, desperate people that are hungry for him, people that are thirsty for him. 
people that don't settle. Come on, there's something stirring in the atmosphere. There's something shifting right now in this moment. There's something that God is doing that's, hey, I'm calling you. Come on, that's it. Would you respond to his love? Would you respond to his grace? For those who don't feel this, would you just say, God, wake me up. Stir me up out of this complacency. Stir me up out of this mess. God, I'm focusing on everything else, and it's got me in bondage. It's taken my joy. It's taken, and now all I do is criticize. All I do is gossip. All I do is talk about people. That's not what I want. I want you, God. Come on, that's it. Somebody willing to push beyond the patty cake. Somebody willing to push beyond the, the platitudes. It's somebody willing to push and get to a place of all authenticity and sincerity. Oh, oh God, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. Help us. You might be wondering what I got to do. What do I got to do? Let me just tell you right now. Let me just say what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to give you the three points. I want people to keep praying. If you want to seek him, I mean that with all sincerity. You seek him. You don't have to wait. We have gotten so cute with our walk with God. We know right when to clap. We know right when to sing. We know when to sit down. We know when to stand up. But when we loved him first, we didn't know all that. So the Lord was dealing with me. Pastor Barry, as we were here Friday night, and we talked about having made for more in the prayer room and happening the Lord said, do you remember, Akil, when I called you to this city? I said, yes, Lord, I, re I remember. He said, didn't I tell you not to have a plan? That I'd give you a plan. And if you let me, my spirit would lead you. Lead you to people who have heard the call and be willing to abandon all for the call. Do you remember that? I said, I, I remember, Lord. He said, would you, would you be willing to let me lead you again? I said, yes, Lord, what, what is it? He said, what if I told you to have prayer every Friday? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to forego your own agenda and your own events and your own plans to seek my face? Would you be willing to let me build a culture of prayer in extraordinary church? Would you be willing to let me build a culture of prayer in your kids, in your young people, in your families? I said, yes, Lord. Then he said, don't do anything other than pray on Friday nights till I tell you to. I said, that's what I'll do, Lord. So every Friday night until he tells me otherwise, we'll come together at 7.30 to 9 to pray. There'll be no agenda other than the kingdom agenda to seek his face, to cry out. If you can make it, come. If you can't, nobody's throwing any shade. If you come for 20 minutes, come for 20 minutes. If you come for 90 minutes, come for the 90 minutes. If you come and you can't leave, because you're like, Pastor, I got to get a hold of something. Something's got to break. My God, I'm at the point where I'll give you the code and let you walk out the door before the alarm goes off. But whatever you do, pray until something happens. Come on, we need to begin to fan the flame of our desire. Come on and begin to reach out to him. Come on, I need you to begin to pray and seek the Lord. Yes, God, help us. Here's the first thing we need to do. 
You want to know why you want to return to your first love? The first thing you need to do, remember. Remember. This sounds like it would torment some of us, but no, it's the cure. It's the cure for having lost your first or left your first love. I'm talking about your relationship with Christ. There's some of us right now, and you, thank you, Cass. There's some of us right now that have been, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of us have been living under bondage for a number of years. Whew. I'll never forget, hear me, hear me right now. I'll never forget this, and they meant well. I had an elder who was like, man, I was making some mistakes early on, and I just, I loved God, and I was still making some mistakes, these dumb things. I'm like, why do I find myself doing these things that I don't want to do? And I'm like, Lord, I'm struggling, help me, but I loved them with all I had. And I remember sharing with somebody, and they were like, I don't understand. No, they didn't share with them. They were just talking, and they were kind of throwing shade at people. They're like, I don't know how they could do this and how they could do that. They must not have the Holy Ghost like I have. And I can remember thinking to myself, my God, I, I must not have the Holy Ghost that they have. I was thinking a bunch of foolishness. I was thinking, oh, wow, I must be so far from God. There must be varying degrees to this thing. And then it took a while for the Lord to dismantle that lie and help me understand that a righteous man, though he falls seven times, Gets back up. Your mistake is not final. Your failure is not final. It does not determine what's going to happen for the rest of your days. Get back up. Get in the fight. Stay in the fight. God's not done with you. He wants to use you and know you. He's not cast you aside. He's not put you off. He's not through with you. That's a lie. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. If you fall down, I want to tell you, here's the difference. Some people are comfortable with religion. And that's why Extraordinary Church is not for everybody. And let me just say this. I'm not saying for people who are with us. Extraordinary Church for everybody. We're not the only rodeo in town. In this region, in this province, in this nation. This is the kingdom. I'm not here to compete with any church. We're here to complete one another. I'm not. Some people are comfortable with religion. But we are not here at Extraordinary Church. If you fall down, I want you to know this house will not finish you off. We are not here to condemn you and tell you how horrible you are. And I want you to know as pastor of this church, I will protect you. I will cover you. I will pray over you and pray with you and for you. I will get down and on my knees and consider myself. We will restore you. If you fall down, I want you to know God will pull you up. He will pick you up. He's not done with you yet. And I rebuke that religious lie that says you can't get up. Remember how sweet it was. Remember 
It's about to be sweet like that again. It's about to be sweet like that all over again. See, the problem is some of us are addicted to religion. He ain't preaching hard enough. Get behind me, Satan. I preach the truth every Sunday. And the truth is people are looking for hope. People are looking for mercy. People are looking for love. People are looking for redemption and they can only find it in Jesus Christ. We got a lot of preachers who will preach people right into hell. I'm not interested in that. I'm here to preach them into heaven. I'm here to preach the cross, him crucified. Jesus didn't come to leave anybody in hell. So the first thing we have to do is remember what he called you out of. The second thing that we have to do, Cass, we got to repent. We got to repent. Did he, did he not tell us this? Did, he said, look, you've left. So here's what you got to do. Verse 5, he says, remember. Then he says, repent. Can I tell you, if you are listening to your favorite Instagram preacher or YouTube preacher and they don't preach repentance, they are living and preaching a lie. All of heaven rejoices over one who repents. This is why, don't get me wrong, we rejoice over baptisms and Holy Ghost infillings, but we ought to rejoice when heaven rejoices. Why? Because there's less of me and more of him. And there's a party getting ready to happen. There's a party getting ready to happen. Why? Because when you repent, praise God, there's a turning. When you repent, you turn away from destructive ways and you turn to him. When you repent, there's a party. Why? Because he says, go get my best robe and cover him. Go get the fatted calf. Go get the ring and the shoes. We're going to have a party because my son who was once lost is now found. My son who was once dead is now alive. I'm telling you, repentance leads to life. It doesn't lead to condemnation. Repentance leads to hope and to spiritual health. And we have to repent every day. And I'll preach repentance in this place until we are renewed, until we are refined, until we are revived, until we are transformed. Repent! And there'll be times of refreshing. You want to be refreshed? Repent. Whew. Oh. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. The last thing. Last thing. He says, you might be wondering what I got to do. He said, he didn't say go, go do your first works. He said, return. Return to your first love. Watch this, watch this. Andrew, it, it doesn't mean you gotta work real hard. Just return. It doesn't mean you gotta sweat it out. It just means return. I remember, I repent, and I return. Whew. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends 
extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.